Welcome to the Success Scenario. I'm your host, Dustin Abrego. On the Success Scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students, people just like you who have faced challenges, why they chose LCC, and how they turn their situation into a successful one. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Success Scenario. This week, I'm joined by... Cynthia Schneider. Hello, Cynthia. I love talking to you. We've been working together, at least since I started at LCC, um, when I was a success coach, now I'm an academic advisor. So is this your first go at college? No, 1999. Mm -hmm. And I went in at that time as a woman going through a divorce, Mm -hmm. trying to find a way to move ahead. Mm -hmm. And I ended up within the first year I went from full-time to part-time because I had caught someone's eye in the community and went to work for a nonprofit as their administrative assistant. So what's prompting you to be at LCC now? Like, what are you looking for here? My journey began as retraining my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, I had some health issues that uh, had left me where I went to the recovery project movement disorder program Mm -hmm. and I learned to eat again, how to lift my utensils, how to write again, how to walk again. That was probably the spring of 21. And six months into that, I had made a conscious decision that I knew I had knowledge that needed to be released and maybe I needed to put it through the same retraining process as I did my physical body. And it's worked quite well. I've had some setbacks last year. Mm-hmm. I had to go to the hospital for a few days and mm-hmm. let them deal with some medical. But now it's turned into so much fun that I'm reaching out in the community to see where, where can I help somebody. I think I remember you being a little stubborn about like, oh, I'm in the hospital, whatever. Like, I'm going to still message my instructor and I was like, you should drop your class. And you're like, no, no, I can do it. And I was like, mm, okay. Like, <laughs> and when I say stubborn, I say that with like the biggest of heart, cause I know that you care and want to do so much and be so well and be great of who you are as a person. What degree or program are you focused on right now then? Well, I switched uh, my major to a business Mm-hmm. so that I could take a math class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the only so, way I could take that math <laughs> class was if I switched my major. I had previous working experience with Microsoft Office, and when in 21, I began as a Microsoft Office specialist. I got all my classes done except for the advanced Excel, and because I had a little issue with understanding some word problems, and how to apply them in Excel is why I want to take the math class. So you went out of your way to take a math class, change your major just to take math. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not laughing at you. Um, just okay. the amount of times it's that being an advisor, people want to actively avoid taking math. Every time I end up working with anyone, they're like, can I just not do math? Which is totally fair. Those are like fears and things that people don't love. So you had to relearn how to be who you are. And then on your own, you wanted to go back to college. So that it's not something that like physicians or whoever told you to go do this as a no. thing. You're like, Oh, I'm going to do this above. So instead of settling, 
and just no, coasting win. through. I yeah, you want to win. Oh, all right. I all right. Win. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I am winning. I, I think you are. Parkinson's every day. Yeah. For three years, mm-hmm. over three years, maybe. Yeah. I've been diagnosed. I think it was 2016 or 17. Mm-hmm. So I've been I've been dealing with this challenge. I don't yeah. like to call it by its name. No, that's fair. You own it of however you want and whatever because you want to say with it. I'm winning. Yeah. That's all I need to know is I'm going to get up every day. Mm-hmm. The school affords me accommodations that mm-hmm. I do not use unless I have to. Because they're stubborn. That's up to your decision. It's your discretion ultimately. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think with the math class, I'll probably use mm-hmm. use it a lot just simply for taking my test because my fine motor skills aren't that great yet. Sure. When I vote, I'm all outside the line, but I'm only I'm only hitting that one circle. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm just school is different creature sure. with me. I want to make sure I, I get it done right. How did you get to the point where you are of choosing to be at LCC? Because oh, that's an awesome story. Yeah, I, I want to I want other people to hear. Part of my physical well being, you have to deal with your mental health Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there was a period of years at the beginning of my diagnosis until my organ failure where I I had just family deaths one right after the other so I was depressed already I moved from Indiana to Michigan we got here at the beginning of April and it was about six months because of COVID before I could find a therapist that did EMDR therapy mm-hmm. and she asked me the first day what do you want to do what what are your goals for therapy mm-hmm. and I said well of course I want to be able to live without pain sure uh, physical pain is just that mm-hmm. and I want to do what makes me happy and in my long life the most happiness that I've had is mm-hmm. when I'm helping someone else mm. Okay. Without pay. That's a big caveat. Okay. Where does that come from for you? It comes from doing it. Yeah. Before I was divorced, I, how should I say it? I was blessed Mm. to have been able to spend 20 years Mm -hmm. doing for others. Mm. Not everybody gets that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, there are people in our communities right now Elderly especially. That was mm-hmm. one thing mom taught me. Don't sit around bored. Go over to the nursing home. Talk, just sit there and talk to somebody you don't know. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, after Katrina, the first job I had in Indiana, moving from the deep south up to Indiana, was I sat and was living caregiver for an Alzheimer patient. Really? Yeah. Back to the topic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I mentioned to my therapist I wanted to register for some classes at MSU, mm-hmm. she said, no, no, no. I think right now maybe you need to go to LCC. So I let another month or so go by, and it came time mm-hmm. to start looking at registering classes and stuff. And, you know, she was right for me at that time, and that's probably the best bet for me. Sure. What do you think about someone that's thinking about going back? So if you were talking to other people in the community like you do and 
they're like, mm, I'm not sure if I should go back. What do you tell them? I enjoy learning. Mm-hmm. So it was really easy for me. But there are a lot of people out there that maybe I really need to work. I don't have the time. I right. have children, I have a job. And there are opportunities much greater than what those struggling are seeing. Mm-hmm. And they're not, not a lot of people are telling them about them. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting home taking care of babies and doing laundry and, and your husband is working at a job where y'all are scraping by, mm-hmm. I would say, take you those couple of classes and then a couple of, a couple of years, you can get through a two year program. Yeah. The underserved populations. Yes. I don't hear anybody championing them. Talk to the me about politicians, that. politicians, we see when the, anybody mm-hmm. deals with education, you have a group over here that is so against underserved peoples. Mm. This is my viewpoint of yeah, the of news. Yep, yep, not endorsed by LCC. We don't no. want you educated. <laughs> we don't want you living a better life. Mm. And what I don't understand with that mm-hmm. is... Why? I don't understand some folks, and I'm not going to waste a lot of space and time in Mm -hmm. my brain with it because, frankly, they don't deserve it. Sure. So if you're saying that you're not seeing someone championing it, what would you like to see that's not happening right now? What do you think should be happening? Today was a perfect example. Does Mm -hmm. LCC have a student committee maybe that meets with elders in the community workforce. I'm talking about something just make it once or twice a month. Mm -hmm. Give them a space. Mm -hmm. Go out and recruit the students that are actually Mm -hmm. invested. Mm -hmm. We want to see a change. Mm -hmm. And there are adults there. I'm sure you have someone in the school system. Mm -hmm. But... um, Change has to come from us right? because they are not going to give it to us. Mm-mm. You were kind of highlighting on um, the conversation we had off air of what you were at earlier today. Can you like highlight <coughs> what the event was? You don't need to like plug the other right. whatever, but what was that event? And that's what you'd like to see here. Can you kind of. It was an intergenerational panel and symposium mm-hmm. and. A student went to her professor mentor and they had a conversation. I'm listening to all this today and these youngsters were from age 11 up until 22. There were six students, maybe seven, Mm -hmm. and seven um, elders of Mm -hmm. the community. I hope they will have more than one session than today. Mm -hmm. But today... What I took away was, what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. And and how can I help you? But the children were all, I call them children, excuse me, the students. <laughs> yeah. The students, what I was hearing most was, this is 2023. Mm-hmm. We understand how it was good for you. How can we put what we do, how we learn today, mm-hmm. how can we take your wisdom and mix it here mm-hmm. so that we're all getting better results in the community? Mm-hmm. We're all going to have better learning experiences when you have instructors or professors that hear you. 
mm-hmm. that take the time mm-hmm. and hear you. And, and both sides want to be heard. Mm-hmm. So both sides want to be heard. Do you think that allows dialogue if both sides want to be heard? Because I feel like it could get. Yeah, I think I think if you map the plan mm. to make sure mm-hmm. it happens. Mm-hmm. There was one young lady sat there today. She wasn't heard at home, so she withdrew mm. into herself. That took away from her learning experiences because during grade school and all, I'm sure she did not say it, but I'm thinking in my head, she went and asked the teacher something. It'd be the same as going home and asking somebody and them not answering you. Right. Um, talk to us a little bit about your involvements and stuff here, because as you've made it very apparent, like community and feeling connection to a place and not just coming in, punching a ticket and then leaving is what's important to you. So what involvements are you in here at LCC or what things have really stood out to you? The only involvement I've had in any organizations Mm -hmm. was back at the turn of the century, of course. Mm -hmm. I was involved with VICA. It was a student organization in the technical society. When I got to Lansing, sitting there and just checking my emails one day, and there was a thing from the Wise Institute, Mm -hmm. an invitation, and being self-centered sometimes I'm thinking well look somebody must know who I am <laughs> and I was, no, no, I'm pulling myself again but um so anyway I went ahead and I applied and mm-hmm. um was interviewed and I was allowed to be in the 2022 cohort mm-hmm. and during that time a lot of the mental that I was dealing with through therapies and and stuff People would say, you've been courageous. You've been, you know, strong. I'm like, not me. Not me. I yeah. sit in my hole and I do my little thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But they helped me to realize my potential again. Mm-hmm. And each time I would go to a meeting or hear something or read something, I'm thinking, this is stuff I do anyway. So <laughs> this is a good fit for me. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is this is who I am already. So the, yeah, this is a good fit for me. You know, I was being selfish about joining because I needed a network. Yeah, you know, and there was they were a network, but it, it was so much more than what I envisioned. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I'm really still close with Dr. Bailey. Mm-hmm. I found her. Um, she wasn't hiding. Mm-hmm. And um, she's been very helpful as well. Mm-hmm. But the experience, I was not a mentor. If they were to ask me, I would consider it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they have a cohort this year, next year, whatever. Mm. But okay. I was blessed with that. And WISE is, I don't remember the acronym, and I'm not putting you on the spot. Women Inspiring Scholarship Through Empowerment. Nice. Okay. So more of a women's focused group for college students, current college students here. I think they have something for the men here too. Yep. But this is for this particular cohort was for women. That's awesome. And so that really spoke to you of like being able to be engaged. And you said, I'm already doing this stuff. What is that stuff that you're already doing? 
going out into the community and mm-hmm. seeing who needs help mm-hmm. or something as simple as fighting Parkinson's. It's not the battle it was a few years ago. You have to treat the whole diagnosis mm-hmm. and took a lot of retraining the brain to even remember what's what's already back there and reinforcing it with new knowledge from 20, 30 years later. Mm. What is your next step? Don't have any dates yet, but I have been volunteering as a um, board secretary for iChange nonprofit, very close to my heart because... Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm supposed to be there doing what I'm doing to help Mm. them get back on their feet. Mm -hmm. Because if it were not for that agency, I wouldn't be on my feet today. Mm -hmm. Have you always been like that of someone that goes and seeks stuff out without asking or asks a bunch of people? Last summer, Mm -hmm. I uh, decided to deliver Meals on Wheels. Really? Because for a fact, I know... Mm-hmm. The elder community needs meals. Mm-hmm. There are those out there that won't get meals, perhaps if not for this organization. Up until the time I went into the hospital in October, I, I put too much on myself, I mm-hmm. believe, at that time. But I'm looking for something where somebody needs some help. I know I made a difference in one lady's life because she told me. I would save her for the last stop so that she and I could visit. Oh, so you didn't feel rushed. That's nice. Yeah. She was battling cancer a second time around. Mm -hmm. And her challenges I saw as the same as my mother had with cancer. Oh, geez. Um, Unfortunately, I got sick and... Mm -hmm. Because confidentiality, I didn't want to of go course. back by and stuff. Sure, sure. But um, I'll get myself situated and find myself back over there because they really, at that time, because of COVID, I was told they had lost a thousand volunteers that delivered meals. Mm. And they're still looking for volunteers I mean, actively. All kind of things out there that people can volunteer to do. Mm-hmm. I found the best are those where you don't go seeking accolades Mm. because you can make a difference in someone's life as a volunteer Mm -hmm. if you're not looking for praise. Mm. Not everybody has the opportunity to do this. Sure. But frankly, I would rather be helping somebody at this age and giving it functional excellence. I think that really defines my interactions with you when I've like talked to you and everything else and like the level that like you're passionate about stuff. I work with students all ages, sometimes dual enrolled high school. And I would use you as a reference in the age. Cause I had people in their thirties saying like, I'm just so far behind. Everything's lost. I'm so old to go back or whatever. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, Cynthia can run like circles around you. You're fine. You got so much time. And I feel people, around my age, maybe even older than me, because they have all these other things that are just scraping by with other things like we talked about. I just like, I can't do it. I can't, whatever. I was like, yeah, you can. It's okay. You don't believe you can. And that's where I want to see you're going to be the same person you are now as the person when you walk across the stage with a degree. 
current you doesn't believe that you can. When you lift people up mm -hmm. and just, yes, you can, yes, you can, you can. You tell them that enough mm -hmm. and it's going to sink in here. I agree. Totally. It's, I think both of us can be very real. I think that's just who we are to our core. I, I'll be real with people. You know, hey, like this is going to be really challenging, but like, I think you can do it. The only thing getting in your way right now is you, or if it's too hard, I'll be like, this is too hard. You're being too hard. Like, that's where I told you, I was like, you were in the hospital. I was like, you need to drop your class and we can talk about that and I can help you out. And you're like, no. And I'm like, no, okay. Like, <laughs> and I even Which, got everything done uh, for I'm yeah, I sure you did because that's who you are as a person. <laughs> I didn't and, have anything yeah. else to do that week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that week I didn't have anything else. To <laughs> Dustin, I've been I've not had anything to do for so very long because of the seriousness of some issues. That now that I am back on track and being restored. Um, all I know is watch out, world. <laughs> I've been promised greater, yeah. and if it's greater than what I've already done, I'm gonna go out this world happy. This is the type of intergenerational dialogue that I hope that what you talked about is maybe we could have something like that here because when I talk to you. I feel full of life based off of what you've told me and how you inspire me of the things you've done. And so wrapping up of where we're going, if you knew what you knew now, what would you tell you when you started? Relax and enjoy the fun. <laughs> okay. Learning outside of this type of organization or any Mm -hmm. I've always had fun. So instead of being stressed about it, I probably would tell myself just have fun. You stress yourself out because you wanted to do really well or just because it was new or what was it for you that stressed uh, you out maybe? Because I wanted to unlock the mm -hmm. good memory bank. Mm -hmm. the, the data bank was only all the negative was at the forefront mm -hmm. of my brain and my thoughts. And I needed to get rid of that and remember everything mm -hmm. i mean it's only been this year that i remembered what type of relationship i had with god mm. 30 years ago mm. and then how things just kind of in the last 15 years so i mean i'm re i'm still relearning but the best thing I get to learn new stuff too. <laughs> I get to upgrade some of the data that's in this data bank up here. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, and then learn a lot of new things. Okay. Is there anything you'd like to leave people with? Anything that you've been thinking about recently or anything that you think is important that you want anyone listening uh, to take with them? They have some of the best tutors. <laughs> I, I do better in person, but you can use a telephone, you can use a computer, mm -hmm. you can come in person. Don't stress yourself. Mm -hmm. Go for the tutors. And I was lucky enough to find one particular tutor that understood my brain mm -hmm. and my thought process. So we worked well, and if he didn't know the answer, we'd stay at the table 
until we found the answer. Um, that's going to be the easiest way to relieve some of that stress when you mm-hmm. get stuck on a matter. Yeah. I mean, when people don't use tutors and other things, I'm like, you've already paid for it. Take advantage of what you can for sure. That's about it. Just use your tutors. Use your tutors. Well, you can use your academic advisors. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> stimulate their brains every yeah. now and then. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. It's been awesome catching up with you and talking, okay? Thank you, Dustin. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the success scenario. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. The success scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. I'm Dustin Abrego, and if you're a current LCC student with a great story to share or know someone with a story to share, connect with me on Twitter or at LinkedIn at Dustin Abrego, A-B-R-E-G-O. Until next time, success starts with you. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The LCC Library empowers the Lansing community to learn, teach, and discover. Located on the second and third floors of the Technology and Learning Center at the corner of Capitol and Shiawassee on LCC's downtown campus, the LCC Library's ambient spaces are available to the public for work, study, or quiet personal projects. In addition, those with memberships at Collaborating Libraries are free to check out materials from the LCC Library's collections. For more information, visit lcc.edu library. Hi, I'm Lisa Alexander, and I host a show called Who's That Star on LCC Connect. This show is all about an inside look at the LCC community where you get a chance to meet our faculty and staff, plus learn about their passion projects at work and at home. You can catch Who's That Star here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org. Dad, I'm running circles around you. <laughs> I know, sweetie. I, I, Dad's not very fast these days. What about yesterday? Were you fast yesterday? No, not... Or the day before that? I, I was... Or the day before that? Actually, I, I wasn't ever really fast. Hard to believe, I know. <laughs> Kids are special. Let's treat them that way. That's okay. When I was little, I wasn't fast either. Now I'm fast, so you'll be fast tomorrow. That's how it works. Now come on. At St. Baldrick's Foundation, we want kids to be kids. Not just during trips to the park, but when they need us most. When they need help fighting cancer. That's why the advanced research we fund is specifically designed to help children. (laughs) I'm pooped after all this. Dad, you're supposed to do that in the bathroom. (laughs) Support St. Baldrick's and childhood cancer research today by going to stbaldrick's.org and getting involved. Founded in 1957, LCC has addressed the needs of Michigan industries through education for more than 65 years. Anchored by the downtown campus located in the heart of Lansing, LCC serves mid-Michigan communities with additional campuses in Delta Township, 
East Lansing, and Livingston County. The college offers more than 200 degrees and certificate programs and is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Those interested in learning more about LCC may visit lcc.edu slash youbelong. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Melissa Ford Locken. Rosalie Petrowski. Susan, Seraph, and Jess. Editors for the Washington Square Review. Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest edition of LCC's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves. Expect the unexpected as our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor, imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our audio town square to celebrate a community of writers spanning from around the world to Lansing. Hi, this is Melissa Ford Luckin. Today I'm here with two students, both of whom are graduating at the end of the semester. Judy Ringstaff is a journalism major, and Eli Jones is a creative writing major. And I'm going to ask Judy the first question. You came here directly from high school. How did you pick LCC, and how did you pick journalism? Well, I've always been really interested in the written word. Um, I've really enjoyed writing um, from a really young age. And honestly, I couldn't afford a university, and so I chose LCC. Um, and I've really enjoyed the program. I've really enjoyed the faculty and the staff. And I've, I've learned a lot here, and I'm very thankful for the experience. Okay, Eli, you had a little bit of a different path. So tell us how you picked Lansing Community College, and how did you pick creative writing? I appreciate your sentiment on trying to keep <laughs> my, my age out. I'm 29 young, for anybody wondering. <laughs> Um, my path was a little different for sure. I, like Judy, out of high school, like tried to go somewhere more affordable. My path led me to Northern Michigan University, where I studied international relations and photography. And then I kind of left that kind of realm. And when I came back to go back to school, it was in the peak of quarantine in 2020, which made everything kind of get thrown for a loop. So I ended up going to LCC because I moved here to Lansing and uh, Governor Whitmer at the time introduced the ReConnect program for anybody over the age of 25 that didn't have a degree and that kind of propelled me getting back into it. My path does have like many forks in the roads that like I didn't see coming. I ended up starting in nursing and I really thought that that was going to be like my stable forever job and then if I'm being frank I realize I don't have the compassion for people and I was like I should not do that I'm gonna have terrible you can laugh no I like really like thought of this like and I was like I'm gonna have no bedside table manner that like I, I'll get fired very quick and it's gonna be way too much money in school and I always had this like backup plan that I always was like too afraid to go after and it was to write like I always loved writing I would write poetry when I was upset. Just putting thoughts in my cohesive and uncohesive thoughts into like lyrical poetry and stuff like that has always been like something that really like grounds me. So when I saw that creative writing as a program was available, that's kind of really what brought me into it. What was the first class that each one of you took? And Judy, why don't you talk first? What was your first writing class and your first creative writing class? I believe the first writing class I took was just like a regular composition class. But I believe the first creative writing class I took was pro style. 
Um, and that one just really digs into how to write nonfiction, you know, how to have an enjoyable experience writing about your own life. That was really interesting because as a writer, it's very difficult to write about your own life because when you look at your own life, you're like, wow, this is so boring. Like no one cares. No one wants to read this. No one wants to hear about me. But that class really helps you to step back and be like, okay, you know, people would actually enjoy this. And it's great for you as well as as a writer, just to like dive in and write out these stories, you know, from your own life. Talk a little bit about the assignments that you did. They were, they're mostly essays, although he did have us do some exercises that were really enjoyable. One of them in particular, he had us draw a map of like where we lived when we were younger. And it was crazy because as I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know, it was like my little house and my little backyard. And then it was like, oh, but in this corner of the backyard, like this spider fell on me one time and like I cried about it for weeks. You know, it it just brought up like these memories that you didn't you didn't know you remembered. Um, And then it brought up, you know, more to write about and more to to dig into. Those exercises were really, really helpful. What about you, Eli? What was the first creative writing course that you took? I think the first one that's like really memorable would actually be creative writing one. And maybe it's just because it was like the first class of mine that finally got out of those like prereqs. Like everything before that was just kind of like, this is something you got to take because you got to take it. And this class was a lot of fun because it was the first time where like our writing was showcased. Um, Before that, like I had a composition class and it was a lot of fun. When you're in those composition courses, like a lot of that are like a lot of the students in that they're not English majors. So like they're there to get through it. When you get into like those creative writing courses, like you really start to see like the passion people had. So like creative writing one was probably the very first one. It was a lot of fun. It was really enjoyable. You talked earlier about writing poems on your own. And I know that poetry is part of creative writing one. How was that experience of writing poems in a classroom setting for a change? It was really different, honestly, because a lot of times like the poetry that I would write would be similar to when like somebody would tell you to write down your feelings in a letter and write it really authentically because this letter is not going anywhere. So when Susan asked us to like start writing poetry and like have these like big ideas and big thoughts on like political activism and not only like share it, but like this was still a course that was um, entirely online and you would post it on a discussion board. So it really like led you to make sure that you're being authentic to yourself because like you're allowing this glimpse of other people to like see what makes you you in a time where like the only personal aspect of online school at that point um, when they weren't ORT was what you posted in discussion boards. It sounds like when you posted your poetry, that might have been the first time that you're writing poetry for a reader rather than for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was it was a lot to learn because you learn of all the different styles of poetry and villanelles and lyric, free form and stuff like that. And you realize, oh, like you can do this with no rules, because I guess maybe just me personally, but like growing up, I was always very told that that like rhyme scheme was very important and it needed to always rhyme and it'd be an a b b a kind of stanzas like that was like kind of like what i always grew up on and that's still like what i find myself gravitating towards but it was nice to like be in a classroom and like learn like this is not how it has to be so you were looking at it from a maker standpoint rather than when you're in high school usually when you read poems you're supposed to be figuring out what they mean yeah and it's kind of fun because it like 
it's that secondary layer of like, here's what I want you to see on the surface. But if you know me or you know about these specific things I write about, there's a deeper meaning that you as the writer get to embed into it. And so it's just fun seeing if people like reading it through the discussion posts and stuff like that could see that like truer meaning that you like kept hidden. Judy, what about you? Have you done any of the poetry? I have, yeah. Um, unlike Eli, I didn't really write poetry um, outside of class. I, I struggled with it, to be honest. I, I, I had this mindset that you had it had to rhyme and it had to fit into this scheme. And I remember the, like, I think it's called the meter, you know, where it's like you got a little dash and it has to, you know, it has to fit into this, into this box. And I, I didn't like that. Um, I don't, I don't like, you know, to have to try and fit my works into a box that someone else decided. It was really eye opening to be like, hey, I can do this the way I want to and I can enjoy it. It was an experience that that needed to happen for me as a writer. Writing poetry, it sounds like would be very different than doing the journalistic work. Oh, yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Talk a little bit about that. Um, well, the main difference um, between, you know, a, a journalistic piece and a creative piece is with journalism, you you can take no creative liberties whatsoever um, because you're telling something that, you know, has absolutely nothing to do with you and you want it to be the facts. And that's your job is just to give the public, you know, what they need to know and nothing else. Whereas with creative works, it's about, you know, enhancing the reader's experience and giving the reader something to connect with. Um, as well as as well as the writer's experience as well. Talk a little bit about prose style because you said that that was part of your personal experience that write you writing down your personal experiences, but it was also a little more formal than poetry. Yes, yeah, it was it was it was a lot more formal in the fact that there is a little bit of style to follow there. And Lance, the professor who teaches that class, he, he intends for you to use it to write about your own life and to write, you know, maybe like a memoir someday. When I'm listening to you talk about poetry, that sounds really emotional. And then I'm thinking about how you're a journalism major. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how your journalistic work is kind of on the opposite side of poetry. Yeah. And then I was just kind of wondering how prose fit in in between those things. Does right. it lean more into the truth or lean more into the creative? Or how do you it's balance a little, that? It's a little bit of both. And so the interesting thing about prose it is required for the journalism degree. And I think that's because as a writer, you need to be able to connect with yourself um, in order to write, whether it's a novel or a journalistic piece. Poetry is a lot more emotional and you have to really lean on the inside of yourself, whereas you know a journalistic piece is just the facts. Eli, you've taken prose. Or you're, you're taking it now? Yeah, I'm currently in prose right now. And what's that like for you? It's so... As you can tell, Judy and I are yin and yang for a lot of this stuff, (laughs) which really like I think highlights our friendship a lot. I struggle with pro style. Like I struggle with having to tell a story that's like authentic to what happened. We talk about this process of like combining characters. If it's like not going to be detrimental to like your story, it just feels fake. Like I have such a hard time with it. How can I get rid of these details or how do I tweak them just enough that still feels true? And like, it's so hard for me. And it's so funny because like you'd think that'd be the easiest thing because I'm a fiction writer that like you think you'd be like, oh, like this is this is the easy stuff. Like, oh, you don't like this characters, whatever, like kind of <laughs> morph it a little while still keeping like their integrity intact. 
I don't know. Maybe it's just my writing is like escapism and I use it to like see a different world. But like I truly like have had the hardest time with some of these projects that we do. Well, let's switch over and talk then about the fiction. How is that for you? I love the fiction. Yeah, that's just like the world that I like swim in. I think fiction is one of those things that like everybody can relate to. And I think it goes back to what you were talking to Judy about. And when you talk about like fact versus fiction, when you're doing like an informative piece and correct me if I'm wrong, Judy, because I'm not super, super into it. But like when you're like telling something like newspaper, it's harder for somebody to connect to, in my opinion, because like it's just the facts. When I write poetry, like I can have like pieces in it that might be something you need to hear. And maybe that wasn't the intent behind the piece, but you as a reader are able to pick out like what you're wanting from fiction. Whereas like when you're getting the facts, if it's not something that pertains to something of importance to you, I think it's so much easier to kind of dismiss it. You know what I mean? Because you read a poem and it could be talking about loss or grief or something like that. But there's this line about this red shirt that the person wore and you happen to go to the coffee shop and you saw this moment with this person in a red shirt. And it just like kind of draws back to that. It's just a whole different way of like encompassing like literature for me. What do you think about that, Judy? When you think about your journalistic work and then the creative work, how do you keep them separate? Well, I have to agree with what Eli said. If you write, you know, say this piece about, you know, an event that happened and you put emotion into it, it's biased and it's slanted. And I think that the reason why creative writing is so powerful to, you know, the writer and the reader is because you're allowed to express your own biases and be emotional about what matters to you. Yeah, there's like a level of like passion. Yeah. When you have something like that. Talk a little bit about the fiction that you've written for your classes. What's that like? <laughs> um, We're about to go into a deep, dark hole with the two of us. <laughs> yes, I tend to struggle, you know, with when I write, I try to, you know, explore myself and things I struggle with, things that I'm passionate about and things that matter to me. One one thing that I um, I'm laughing because for the creative writing two class I'm taking right now, I wrote poems about uh, my experience, my childhood with my narcissistic mother. And it's just it was it was a very interesting experience because I didn't I didn't know if I could do it, you know, because of all the stuff I've kept bottled up, you know, and these emotions and not wanting to process it, you know, just like I'll just hide it away forever. It doesn't matter. But you can channel that almost those emotions and create something that can be really beautiful and that other people who go through similar experiences can connect with and can, you know, just let people know that you're not alone. You're not alone in your struggle. Um, and other people have come through it. Even you can too. You workshopped those poems in class, right? I did. Yeah. And how was that to share that piece um, of yourself? Well, I I knew Eli. And we, she does know me. <laughs> we've taken two classes together, so I, mm-hmm. I I felt comfortable doing it. Maybe if it had been you know some random strangers, I might not have. Um, but I was comfortable with the group, and I think I did talk to Eli about it first. Like, hey, would yeah. this be would this be a good idea? But it was really interesting because, you know, they had a different perspective on it. And they also were able to provide a non-biased opinion of, hey, here's how to make this better, you know, because I was just writing it almost out of emotion and anger, you know, and they're like, hey, you know, you could add this in and this would make it so much more powerful. It was a really awesome experience. What about you, Eli? What poems did you share with class? So 
as you have heard by now, I write like a lot of emotion-based poems, so I wanted to challenge myself and do something kind of completely different. When I was in my composition one class with uh, Professor Hood, I really wanted to write an essay on how the Wicked Witch of the West was actually the victim and how Dorothy was actually kind of the bad guy. It was just like that layer of loss that she like went through and a her sister passes and stuff like this. And I ended up not writing it for that class. And so it's always been something I've like wanted to come back to. So I ended up writing a collection of poems uh, that I called The Colors of Oz. And actually I got this idea from Judy and Robert who were in the same workshop group and it was beautiful what they said to do. And so it opened up, it's I believe 10 poems and it opens up with the poem titled Black. The movie starts in black and white and the beginning of the movie is considered like darker than like the happier ending of when she like wakes up and stuff like that. So it starts with black and it's abruptly cut and it goes immediately into the colors of various shades and hues of like what symbolism is in the movie, like Alphabet's green skin, the yellow brick road, the red ruby slippers. And it like highlights different points and like things in that that maybe a first look you wouldn't have caught. And then it finishes with a poem called White. And so the idea is you could read black and then you could read white or you could stop black in the middle, read all of what's in between and decide for yourself what was real. And then you'd still end on white. And when you shared them with your workshop group, what kind of experience was that? It was weird in like a good way, (laughs) like weird in the sense that like people hadn't heard my like thoughts on this. They didn't know this was like some weird passion project I've been like (laughs) saving for like years and wanting to do. So like I think they were honestly like a little like confused at first when I was like I'm writing a collection of poems and it's going to be on the Wizard of Oz like Judy said like I I knew these people I've had classes with these people I've had Judy in two different classes Robert it's now three so it's like it's people I'm very comfortable with um so it was like one of those things where I was like I was willing to like let myself fail like if I didn't see this taking off or being like beneficial he did not fail they were amazing (laughs) I appreciate it It was one of those things where, like Judy said, like it's one of those things where you get far enough into your degree that like we're around the same people. You know what I mean? So like Judy and I were in like the novel writing class and we got to know each other, even though we weren't in workshopping groups for that. But now that we are in the secondary class, it's like we know the same people. It's it's there's like a layer of familiarity and like comfortability that goes into this that like I think allowed both of us to do something that like we wouldn't have normally done. Talk a little bit more about the communities. Like, how do you get past the initial anxiety when you first started here and you just first started sharing your work? You really have to like tap into yourself. And honestly, I had to tell myself a lot of times that like if they don't like it, it's okay. I am a really big believer in the fact that sharing your work with others, it will help you to grow as a writer. When I was 14, I joined like an online writers community and I posted my work and my friend, um, she like emailed me. She was like, that was awful. And she like, she like completely rewrote it. And at first I was like, okay, this is, that was rude. But then I stepped back and I compared what I had written to what she had written. And I was like, she's absolutely right. And so when you share your work with others, which first of all, we really hope they don't say like, hey, that's awful. But second of all, they see stuff that you don't see because you wrote it and you're like, this is my baby. It's great. I love it. And sharing it with others, it helps you to see stuff about your work that you wouldn't see um, no matter how many times you edit it. One thing that's really nice is that you stick with the same people all semester. 
And so you really get to know their writing style. And if something's a little off or, you know, you, you can just tell. And the same people also, it's a level of, you know, hey, I've shared my work with this group five times um, and they still like me. You know, you grow with it and it, it really helps you a lot. How about you, Eli? I'm going to be really honest now that I haven't been dishonest so far. So I'm going to continue <laughs> being honest. I think writing the novel was one of my first classes that actually was in person coming back into like going into school again and like being a non-traditional student at like age 26 when I started this whole thing and getting to those classes around like 27 to 28 I was nervous I was like these kids are going (laughs) to be like light years ahead of me I took so much time off in between and I was so nervous and I remember getting into your class and immediately like racing to the front row because I was like well Like, they're going to hear me. They're going to see me. Like, something's going to happen from it. I was so wrong to be nervous because just the community and the type of people that these people were, it was just so nice to be able to connect to people at various stages in their lives, at various ages and, like, groupings and stuff like that. Like, I was, like, glad to be wrong. Like, I was really glad (laughs) to be wrong. And I think that's, like, what literature does, right? Like, it connects people that maybe wouldn't have been connected before. Talk a little bit more. You said that the kinds of people that you were in the room with. My first workshop group for writing the novel, it was me, Nomi, and it was Sarah. I ended up actually being the youngest, which like never did I see that one coming. (laughs) And we just had members who had children. We had members who were like auditing this class. We had members that were working full time. We had members who weren't working full time. We had people who, like myself, had one chapter done before this class started. We had people that were like finished with entire novels. And it was just like so unexpected that all of us were able to like connect. Like, I don't know about you. You were the professor, so maybe you can answer this for (laughs) me. But something about that class, it was special. Like it like it was weird, like how close we got. It was so easy to do the long read in front of everybody for me. There was just this layer of like, if I see these people out in the world, I'm not even going to look twice. Like, I'm just going to buy what it is. Like, I know that there was just so much talent and so much like brutal honesty and just like authentic beings in that class. You were talking about literature and the way it pulls people together. So when you have writers who love writing and they're sharing their stories, you guys get to know each other through the stories that you've written. So Mm -hmm. you get to know each other as people, but then you also get to know the characters that are created, right? So your characters are kind of friends with their characters. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, it goes back to that like layer thing, right? Like you can see what we're writing about on like the surface level, but like when you like get into our writing and stuff like that, like you see who we are as people. Yeah, um, and you talk about your life experiences and the way that they do and don't show up in the work. Yeah. And that contributes a lot when you share your work with other people. You get to know them and get to know their work and, and how they think about their work. Yeah, and I think it's also something else to get to know someone as a writer. Um, I don't have very many writer friends, you know, in my day to day. And so it's just nice to be able to connect with someone who isn't like, ew, I have to write an essay, you know, and they enjoy it. They enjoy the experience. When I was in high school, people would tell me, don't go into writing like you will never make it. You'll starve. And so it was just so encouraging to be around people who are like, no, like we can do this and we're going to have fun doing it. Where do you see your writing going in the future? (laughs) That is a good question. Um, I 
I have no idea. I have several <laughs> plans. Well, let's hear um, one. But <laughs> if you could imagine anything at all. Honestly, I just want to publish a novel. And I don't know how that's going to happen, but I know that I'm going to keep trying until it does happen. Whether that's sending 5,000 query letters um, or 500, I don't, I don't know. I, life, is, life is full of surprises, mm-hmm. and I'm just, I'm, out, I'm in for the ride, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's not at all unrealistic to think when you're trying to get published that it's going to take a while, and you just keep sending the stuff out. Yeah. You know, and that's why what you guys are talking about with building a community is important, because you'll always have the community, and, and that's almost more important than the acceptance, right? The journey yeah. and the writing. And the way that it, it's connected to who you are as a person. What about you, Eli? Where's your writing going next? That's a great question. So I work at a coffee shop locally. And when people hear like, oh, you're a creative writing major. Like, what are you doing? It's very fascinating to people. And I'm like, I'm going big. Like, I'm going <laughs> to be the less problematic J.K. Rowling. That's what I tell people. I'm going to have book series that you see everywhere. I'm going to get deals with like TV and stuff like that. And a lot of like what I think I'm writing right now with these two novels, I think would make great TV. We'll see if this holds up. Talk a little bit about the novels. Yeah. So in writing the novel, I started a novel <laughs> um, and that novel centered around the time when they were overturning like Roe v. Wade. And I have four younger sisters. I like spoke to them like very honestly about like what this means and like what their thoughts were. And it kind of like developed into this like idea that like one of the worst things you could do as like a society is like force people into like pregnancy. And so my novel, it's pretty dark, it's pretty dystopian, it's a gothic. And it's just this idea of like, if you were forced to have a baby, like how would that go? Like, what does that look like? And yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot, you know? What about you, Judy? Well, mine is, you know, almost the opposite of Eli's in that it centers around, (laughs) it centers around um, a woman who cannot have children, no matter how hard she tries. And this grief and her disappointment in herself, it's driving her insane. And she and her husband move into this new house. And all of a sudden she starts thinking like, hey, I think a serial killer used to live here. And everyone's like, you're crazy. And she's like, no, I'm not. Maybe I am. No, I'm not. And it's just, you know, it's it's a thriller. I think the best part of it is that it's looking out through like an insane woman's eyes. I'm having fun writing it. When I listen to you both talking about your novels, I can tell that they're full and complete stories. (laughs) So I'm starting to wonder if there is someone out there in the audience and they're listening and they're thinking about taking creative writing classes here at LCC. What would you want to tell them? Do it. Don't hesitate. Like, sign up right now. It's worth it. (laughs) If you are considering the degree, you've already done the hard part, which is deciding. The easy part's registering. (laughs) That's literally, like, that's how it felt for me. Like, the second I, like, made the decision to even show interest in it, I was like, I should just do it. Like, don't live with the regret of not taking it. The worst thing that you get is, like, an additional skill set, and it's never a bad idea to learn how to write in a different style. Right. You can be a writer for life. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be fiction. So where can people keep up with you if they want to come and find you and check out your writing in the future or maybe follow you on any social media that you use for your writing? Judy, where can they find you and what will they find? (laughs) Um, So if you would like to follow me on social media, I am on Instagram under my pseudonym, um, which is Trix Bailey. And that Instagram is Trix Bailey Writes. Um, And I also have an incomplete novel on Kindle Vela. And that is called Man of Blood. 
We'll so. put the information on those <laughs> in the show notes. And what about you, Eli? Yeah, um, I'm also on Instagram. I will give you two because one is way too hard to spell. <laughs> um, I have one that is tangibly adroit sentiments. Um, that is where I post all my book club stuff that I host, book reviews, poems I've put out and stuff like that. You can find that in the bio of my personal Instagram account, which is much easier to find. It is <laughs> I'm Eli Jones. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming and spending time with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors. Until next time, this has been Washington Square On Air. Where we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's literary journal, The Washington Square Review. A publication featuring writers in the Great Lakes State, across the nation, and around the world. To find out more about the Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu slash WSR. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College has been a proud collaborator of the Lansing Promise Scholarship since 2012. The Lansing Promise Scholarship offers graduating high school seniors who live within the Lansing School District and attend a high school within district boundaries an opportunity to attend LCC. Since its inception, over 1,000 enrolled students have saved over $2 million, earning over 400 degrees and certificates, as well as 30,000 credits at LCC. For more information on the Lansing Promise Scholarship, please visit lcc.edu hope. When you need to check the weather forecast, make restaurant reservations, or avoid rush hour traffic, chances are you turn to your smartphone for real-time information and up-to-the-minute help. Imagine a smart city that would keep the buses running on time. Manage the use of energy to prevent brownouts and schedule on-time repair of an aging infrastructure. It's all part of putting the power of information to work for you in giant leaps compared to your smartphone's baby steps. Planners are making cities smart today and even smarter tomorrow, delivering the services you need and creating the communities you want. To learn more about smart cities and work with the folks who are putting the power of information to work for you, go to planning.org. That's planning.org. A message from this station and the American Planning Association. Lansing Community College welcomes transfer students. Transfer students may apply transfer credits towards their LCC degree, certificate, or transfer program. Learn more at lcc.edu slash you belong. This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices 
vibes and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.